Hey guys, good morning and welcome to an episode of Mr. Rev's Pod. Again, this one focusing on uh, regular U.S. history and the uh, kind of topics are industrialization in the Gilded Age. Again, it shouldn't take longer than a few minutes. I'll try to stick around the 8 to 10 minute mark. But again, because you do have a test coming up um, this next week, I want to make sure at least to highlight some of the main points you need to know. All right, guys, so the, uh, you know, with industrialization and the Gilded Age, right, those two topics, we have the situation after the Civil War where the nation has kind of finally had this big question of sort of states' rights versus the federal government kind of settled, right, with the federal government being supreme. And then we have the abundance of natural resources, right, coming in from the West, such as uh, mineral wealth, right, um, land itself being a resource, all those things. And so the country's really primed to kind of uh, come into its own as far as, you know, factories, as far as a number of workers, all those things. So it's kind of the core of what's going on. And then I believe I said in class, right, remember the Gilded Age, and Gilded Age kind of a coin uh, term coined by Mark Twain, right? Something gilded means like it's kind of covered or coated in something and kind of in a way, you know, criticizing the times for, you know, a time of great progress, lots of jobs, lots of um, prosperity and progress. But, you know, at the same time, there were a lot of issues and those issues will pop up, um, you know, the situation for workers, right? Safety of workers, pay for workers, and, you know, the poverty in cities and all that, which will be a big issue um, in, in the you know, U.S. history in general during this time. All right, guys, so a key part of this is the free inter- enterprise system, right? You need to know that term. And this is, of course, where individuals are free to produce and sell whatever goods they wish, right? The idea, you know, this goes hand in hand with that laissez-faire belief, right? Remember, laissez-faire, kind of French term for hands-off, right? So the government does not get involved, and uh, very much the case back then, right? Today, we have minimum wage, we have workers' protection laws, right? All that stuff over time didn't exist back then, right? The idea was, you know, the whole kind of situation, right? The businesses kind of dictate themselves or they kind of settle things themselves, right? You know, the, in, a, in a pure kind of free enterprise system, right, or laissez-faire system, the government just lets businesses kind of do their thing, right? If a job, job is too dangerous or doesn't pay enough, well, then it won't attract workers. So, They'll have to make it safer. They'll have to pay more if they want to attract workers, right? That's the idea. And, um, you know, very much the system kind of in place in the late 1800s during this Gilded Age. The government kind of working hand in hand, right, with the free enterprise system by protecting property, providing patents, right, where people could protect their ideas and their inventions, as you saw probably in some of your projects. So this is going to be an important kind of part of that. The government also did something called past tariffs, and again, tariffs sometimes are called protective tariffs because it's basically a way a nation can kind of protect their goods against foreign competition, right? So again, I sometimes use the car makers as an example, right? But you have some car makers that are American, right? Like Ford and Chevrolet. And you have some that are foreign, right? Like uh, you know, Kia, Nissan, uh, just to name a few. And again, the idea is, you know, here in America, we try to give the United States companies a little bit of a heads up. So and the tariff, you have no tariffs, right, on the American companies, but you do have tariffs on those foreign goods and all that. Not all necessarily, but some. And the idea is, again, because a lot of Americans are working for those companies, you're kind of protecting them somewhat, right? You're giving them some insulation uh, from that. All right, guys, another big part of the Gilded Age and this industrial uh, movement is the expansion of the railroad systems, especially after the Civil War, and especially more and more out west, right? Of course, famously with the uh, Transcontinental Railroad completed in Utah, right, in the year 1869. So just a big sign of progress, right? What used to take better part of half a year to get across the country, now it could be done in more or less about a week. So kind of a big deal. 
So growing population, growing markets, goods can now get to people faster. I know to us it's slow, right? The train and all that. But for that time period, very, very impressive. Uh, we have big gains in certain industries, right? With the Bessemer process, making steel cheaper and faster than ever. And this is going to be a key thing to railroad expansion, to the big cities, right? And the skyscrapers that will, you know, sprawl out uh, throughout places like New York and Chicago and others. So very, very important. Uh, oil also incredibly important and not quite for cars yet right but for uh, lubricants and hydraulics and machinery um, for uh, kerosene lamps and lighting right at that time which was before uh, electricity kind of the main way uh, people got their light in the evenings and things like that so very very important all right guys and then kind of the later parts focus on what we call the robber barons right or captains of industry so these are these super successful businessmen right well, most of them multi multi-millionaires Probably would have been billionaires, but um, you know, remember money had a lot more value back then. But just some of the things, right, they were, the reason they're called kind of captains of industries because, you know, they did create things that no one really had before. They had more success than, you know, many uh, had had before. And they are pushing these new technologies and pushing, you know, production, all these things. But at the same time, you know, their workers are paid very low wages. They are very ruthless in their... Uh, sort of practices, right, against anybody that's a threat or another company rising up. So it's kind of the good and the bad, right, um, during this time in U.S. history. Again, a couple of those main examples, I won't go through all of them, but Andrew Carnegie, right, the steel kind of tycoon who developed a big old uh, steel plant outside Pittsburgh and became kind of a key sort of figure during this time in the late 1800s. And you have John D. Rockefeller, right, with Standard Oil, who, um, you know, basically monopolized the oil refining kind of industry, and really kind of controlled that uh, from a very early standpoint. And these guys did do some good, right? There was some philanthropy, or philanthropy kind of another word for charity, where they uh, you know, donated some of their money for libraries, for universities, for uh, buildings, right? Like Carnegie Hall in New York and so forth. So very, very important. And then kind of to close up with the end of the chapter, we have, you know, the, the kind of culmination of what's been, all this kind of a byproduct right, of the whole industrial revolution. You know, in a core, what's going on is, Less and less people are doing farming and kind of running their own businesses. And more and more people are going to work for factories, steel mills, you know, working on the railroad, all that stuff. And of course, they're realizing that they're working really hard, getting paid very low wages, sometimes really dangerous tasks. Um, you know, kids are being put to work, right? All that stuff. So eventually this leads to the rise of unions, right? These are groups of workers who work in a similar uh, area, usually organized by skilled and unskilled, but sometimes mixed together. And of course, two most famous examples you have these in your notes are the rise of are the sorry Knights of Labor and the American Federation of Labor. So both of those from the late eighteen hundreds, and again fighting just for you know better pay, safer uh, environments at work or safer situations. And it's going to be kind of hit or miss, right? Some people uh, want to join right away, um, and then some also limit who can join. Right? You want maybe only skilled, or do you want unskilled as well? And then you know what starts to happen is we start to have showdowns between workers and these companies right in the form of strikes so strikes is when the workers you know basically refuse to do a job because they you know maybe are losing money or losing pay they want more benefits so this happened you know there's a great railroad strike in 1877 uh, the other big one um, and how this plays out is what's called the Haymarket affair right which occurred in chicago where i believe jobs were going to be cut so wages were going to be cut down and eventually there was a showdown and a demonstration where police were hurt and the police kind of fired upon the crowd in a demonstration in uh, Chicago. 
And, you know, in the newspapers and all that, the unions were kind of blamed for being a little too crazy, a little too radical. So these are some of the big things uh, from um, this kind of era of U.S. history. Again, I, didn't know, I know I didn't touch a ton on the inventions, but, you know, some of those are important. You know, people like Thomas Edison, all that, right? You'll need to know some of those for your test, and you should have everything you need in your notes. Um, but again, a, a big time of innovation, big time for big companies, a little bit of a rough time for workers, kind of the core of this, you know, kind of unit or this section. Uh, hope you enjoyed, hope you learned a little bit, and uh, we'll see you next time, guys. Have a good day.